Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hello, Life Uncloseted family, and I truly consider you family, not just because we're starting to enter into the lovely holiday seasons, but we need to really be family these days. Our queer lives seem to be on the attack from every direction that we look at these days. And it's not just our queer lives. I mean, there's other people's lives, people of color and other things that are happening in our lovely little planet. But I feel like this is what causes us to really struggle, have mental health issues, to think about the gaslighting that's being done to us, to think about all these different things that we should not have to struggle with, but yet here we are struggling with them. But what happens when you start to see yourself empowered and you see yourself ready and able to move through things? Well, this is what we're talking about today. Empowerment, self-realization, self-acceptance, and some self-love in a beautiful coming-of-age story with a new author. Her name is Marissa Alma Nick. Her book is called Rebel in Venus, and I can't wait to have this conversation and talk about her book and talk about what brought her to this and why she feels like this is an important subject to be talking about as well. So rather than Rick just going on and on and on, Marissa, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here with us today. Hi, everybody. And Rick, thank you so much for having me today. So first time author, right? Or is this a second book for you? Oh, well, congrats. That's a... That's a biggie right there. I've been through that. It's like, oh my gosh, the first one. And it's like, okay, what do I do? How do I, you know, all that sort of stuff. So um, congrats. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It doesn't feel like birthing a child. I, it, I is. <laughs> it is. It is. They're your babies. I'm on book number two and I'm just starting to shop it and everything. I'm like, oh, do I really want to do this again? And I, and I don't want anybody hearing that. Like he's not committed. I am so committed. I want this second book to come out. I'm really excited about it. So, um, <laughs> but it is, it is something that I feel like the stuff that you're bringing up and addressing in, in your book, again, Rebel in Venus is a lot of stuff that right now I think some people could be struggling with the self-acceptance, that self-love, that coming of age sort of stuff, whether you're coming of age as a young person or coming of age later in life as someone who's coming into your queer life. So what was, what was like the impetus for you? Like what, why this story? Why now? What was the background for you on this one? Oh my goodness. So it sounds really dramatic, but um, it actually started as a show. So in my prior life, just recently, I was a choreographer, uh, dancer, and I have a dance company, Alma Dance Theater. And in 2018, I was working, I started working on a show called Rebel and Venus. Mm. And Me Too had happened. And for myself, as well as I know a lot of other girls and women, it was kind of gave us this like path to like open the curtain on our own minds to like our own minds to like things that had happened and accept sort of, you know, own truth. So I started making a show and I work on shows for a long time, kind of like a couple years. And then in 2019, December, right before 2020, my right meniscus tore while performing Mm. Um, and I needed surgery 
two weeks later, um, my best friend, she passed away to suicide. And then two months after that, the pandemic really set in. And like nobody was in the studio, the theater, we were all at home, right? So um, I was trying to survive all of this. And I started writing something that I have always done secretly, privately. I write my shows and um, have done some ghostwriting, but the world did not know me as a writer. Um, and the sh the, what I started as a show, I started writing because I was also in this uh, healing journey for myself. I was in one of the darkest places I had ever been. So mm -hmm. while in therapy, one of the tools, you know, I was accessing with help was, was writing. And as one of those, like, as it goes, one thing led to another. Um, and I, I realized that what I was writing was sort of a continuation or like an expansion of what the show had started as. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's really what, what drove it. It was as I was going through my own journey of dealing with my own depression, my own anxiety, my own trauma, sexual, uh, my own sexual trauma from childhood, as well as an adult, um, my own shame in being gay and coming out. Um, in fact, the book is dedicated. It says for the girls and anyone daring to live a life free of shame. So, you know, I really wanted to write this book that was sort of, it's not a self-help, it's very much a fiction and this this journey of someone, as you said earlier, she's, she's learning to discover herself and stop running from herself. Um, and so um, I kept thinking of my friend that I lost to suicide and one of the things that she said in her note very transparently was she didn't want to be a burden. And so I wanted mm -hmm. to write this like, hero's journey like what if she would have read this book and seen herself as a hero rather than a burden you know someone dealing with similar things that I was describing in the book um which is really sort of the the whole you know inspiration for the book is I I hope that somebody reads it and sees themselves in it and sees themselves as a hero instead of instead of that burden you know and and finds the journey towards falling in love with themselves and not feeling like they're alone in the world. Well, and I think that's the queer experience. And I'm not saying that outside of our queer culture, people don't feel that loneliness because there's there's too many instances of death by suicide and all these different things that happen out there in the world. Um, in fact, I, I had a tragic story shared with me not, not long ago in the past couple of weeks of a, a friend of mine whose daughter came home from school very, very upset because a friend of hers had, you know, taken her life by suicide because she was sexting, sexting some pictures to a boy in high school. And the boy decided to share them with everybody. And she was so embarrassed by it that she took her own life. So I realize we're all dealing with these struggles and I don't want to diminish that. I want anybody who's listening who may not be part of our community, who may be an ally to realize we're not trying to set ourselves up above, but this is much more prevalent in our in our queer culture than probably other segments of society, because we are told constantly you are not good enough. You are you are, you know, anomalies of the world that don't deserve, you know, to be here, blah, 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 blah. And it really weighs heavy. In fact, I happen to work. More with people 30 35 on up and there are people within my coaching programs who are 40 50 mid 50s early 60s 
who I hear this same self despair and and self-loathing and and the lack of self-confidence. So I feel like it's really powerful to see you bringing this to light in the way that you're doing because you said it. They need to see that they're not alone. And this is a huge message to be sharing. And it is a pandemic in America for sure. Suicide is is a real problem. Mental health is a real problem. But it is specifically in the queer community as well as teen girls. And I don't know the numbers, so I don't want to like spin them off. But if you look at a, the, the, the the highest demographic of suicide in America is teen girls and queer teens. And this whole idea of shame is encompassed in that. So the girl that you just described, you know, that that's that's an assault. You know, I couldn't imagine being a teenager and being in that vulnerable place of expressing my sexuality for the first time. Right. And and believing that I have the same rights as the boys do. But I don't understand that it's different for me yet as a girl in the world. So here I go sending my crush some cute photos because that's what they do in the movie. Right. And now he sends it to everybody. And that's, you know, it's such a vulnerable moment. And that's also like in the book, there's these it's, you know, assaults, uh, abuses, these traumas, especially sexual traumas, they happen on such like a a spectrum, they can be so benign. And then they're also, you know, these monstrous stories that we talk about, but they're also those like benign ones. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about today's world with cell phones and social media. And it is so difficult to navigate that. So you know, another part of the story is the friendship, there's this friendship between Layla and her best friend Maria. And it's also, you know, within our own community, within our gay community, and with also in these really vulnerable teen girls, one of the best things we can do, aside from getting the help that we need, is also finding our friendship, right? The strength in the friendship. The other part of it, though, is like, with all these traumas, the thing that why I wrote Layla as a queer character, not because I'm gay, but I wanted to highlight somebody who has these traumas and these mental illnesses, but being gay is not one of the mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. That's not the mm-hmm. trauma. And so yeah. there's also this huge distinction. And I hope that somebody who is also queer reading this to be like, yeah, I got all this other shit I need to deal with, but oh my God, being gay isn't the thing that is, is something that needs addressing, you know? in the way that we approach it in this terrifying state that I'm in Florida of like sending somebody to conversion therapy as if there's something wrong with who you are. But that, but that is what gets couched so often in the uneducated. And I'm going to say ignorant is this is not a disease. This is not something that's Mm -hmm. physically wrong with us. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. you and I probably argued this with people till we're blue in the face. I, I, I mean, for years, I came out at 19, went back in the closet when I finally came out at 36. I had these deep arguments about this. And I finally said, if that's what you choose to believe, that's a belief you choose. I'm mm-hmm. not choosing who I am. This mm-hmm. is who I am. You know, mm-hmm. and I've, I, one of my most passionate conversations was with my own father. And it was very much like... So when you look at a woman, what happens for you? And I just left it at that. Mm-hmm. And and he was he was a womanizer and everything. I said, so, but you look at a guy and nothing happens for you, right? I said, here's the deal. I can look at a woman. I can think a woman is attractive and beautiful, but it does nothing for me. 
I can mm-hmm. look at a man and there's something completely different that happens for me. I feel attractive. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, there's a sexual attraction. There's a personal attraction there, you know, not all men, but there's something that happens. And, uh, and this isn't something I learned. This is what I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it was, you know, it took some time. I still not a hundred percent sure that they're still in that they're a hundred percent in my court, but you know, we're closer. And I think this is why having these characters fictional or not, or seeing representation is Mm -hmm. so vital to anyone who's moving through this, especially given the times we're living in where everything from drag shows to, you know, gender not unconforming and, you know, gender fluid people being attacked to our transgender brothers and sisters being literally on the chopping block, probably more than anybody else in the queer culture right now. Yeah. But if those are the ones that are on the chopping block, we're not that far removed as gay, lesbian, bisexuals. And you are living and breathing it and feeling it yourself in, in Florida at this point. So what would oh you God, like yeah. somebody to really take away from this? Like what, I mean, I, I know you said just like seeing somebody of their own, but what would you really love if somebody could read the book and then go, okay, that really helped me. What would be the big help you would like to see somebody get from it? I feel like there's two lanes, right? Of people, there's like two boxes. So one is somebody who is the antithesis of Layla, which is probably like a, a white this man you know mm-hmm. uh everything that she's not who who does not suffer from depression mm-hmm. and and or any you know abuse or just you know happy-go-lucky white straight dude the antithesis of Layla I would love him to read this book and great like how do you say it gain empathy grow empathy for yep. somebody that is not himself to just go oh that's what it's really like and I have had that experience with a couple of out straight men who, t- who share with me that they're straight and reading this book and having all these like b- very uncomfortable, but in challenging, but also beautiful moments with themselves of like, oh my God, that's what it's like for a girl. Um, and then, you know, on the other hand, I want somebody who's more like Layla, who is probably, I think any girl or woman, and this is the like heartbreaking truth, will read this book and see themselves in this book. It's impossible to be an American girl or woman, gay or straight, and not see yourself in this book. And that's heartbreaking, but very real. And then especially, again, if you are gay and somebody who suffers also from depression and these like, you know, anxiety and all these um, other mental health issues that we often don't talk about. Um, this is a safe space for you to see yourself again in Layla, you know, and see, again, I go back to like seeing yourself as a hero Mm. and especially Mm -hmm. like, you know, because one of the most fiction based things of the book is that I wrote Layla as this queer character, but she like very much owns her, her gayness. And she's just very fluid with it. She's very much addressing all these other things, but she's not having this, you know, you know, moment where she's trying to figure out if she's gay or not she doesn't even have a coming out it's just it is who she is and that was so I wanted to again give the reader that experience because that's not my experience and like you were saying that's not many uh people's experience in coming out it's not this like linear one-time moment you know very rarely yeah um and so there's there's uh this non-linear journey that I think is very authentic in Layla and a little messy and just really vulnerable. 
So it's like somebody but, reading it and just being like, it's it's not just me, it's okay, sort of thing, you know? But that's the beauty, is when we expose our messiness, it mm -hmm. helps people understand us better, whether it's the straight, cis, white guy who's like, oh, I never realized this, you know? Mm -hmm. It's interesting mm -hmm. to me, because I, I have, I mean, I feel like I'm very open-minded and very, okay, I'll just say it, woke, as they love to say, like, I'm, I'm very just like, <laughs> I feel that way. And then there are times I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. Because I'll see myself yeah. do something or say something, right? And I'm like, well, wait, somebody would find that offensive, right? And so I think this is the beauty of when we start to, again, through facts or fiction, start to show the reality of what is happening. I was having a conversation yep. with someone the other day and they said, so is there really a need for you to be coaching people who are coming out like in their 40s or 50s? I'm like, mm. actually, even more so these days, because right. people are finally there's a there was an energy. Of course, now things are so crazy, but there was an energy of be yourself, really be who you are. That was starting to like, like creep up in the essence of the planet. Like there's this beautiful self-awareness and self-actualization that comes with coming out of the closet. And I started to see a real surge in my coaching practice a few years ago. And then, you know, pandemic hit, I still was, you know, doing some coaching. But here's the interesting thing that happened, Marissa, is in the midst of the pandemic, I actually got really busy. Because mm. a lot of people had a lot of time to be sitting thinking about their lives. What's yes, next? I think we all had catharsis, many, many catharsis <laughs> during yes. the pandemic. Well, I mean, you, you with your injury and then like, okay, now what? Right. You know, and as a dan, I used to, yeah. I was a dancer too. So I can only imagine the pain. I mean, I had some issues at one point, but it was, it's one of those things that when the pain of whatever it is you're going through causes you to stop, pause and take thought, it suddenly is okay. But who else is it has this experience and whether it's because of an injury from dance or whether it's coming out of the closet at this stage, people are hungry, I believe mm -hmm. to be more themselves than ever. And that's part of what's causing in my mind, part of this tension on the planet is those mm -hmm. who don't think everybody should be able to be whoever they want to be. They are determined like, no, we all need to fit into these boxes because when we fit into these boxes, then everybody is doing the right thing and there's control and all this sort of stuff. People who don't want people fitting into boxes who are saying, no, you got to fit in that box. The truth is they're losing control. And they don't well, know it's what very to do radical. It. It's, yeah. it's very radical to, to love yourself again, mm -hmm. especially today, even if we're not a teenager, a full grown adult, we still encounter the rest of the world more than we ever did before no matter how much you're on or off your phone we just have access to each other now so we all are very susceptible to feeling validated from other people and so it's easy to fall into line it's easy to feel that there is need that that depending on other people for love you know yes it's it's like a form of escapism i mean that's that's the whole book <laughs> This whole book is somebody's journey to realizing like, oh, my God, it's very scary. If I don't learn to love myself, something's not going to go right here, you know, yes. but also the power of letting somebody see the real you. And that's where the power of the friendship is, because when you let somebody else see you and they 
they show you that they love you, that can also be this beautiful, um, like reciprocated self-reflection moment also. So it's also, we don't have to do it all alone. And, and sometimes that does, you know, that's a little scary too. Um, because it means that like, as you grow and, and heal, like you, you learn things, right? Like you said something that I really love too, like the woke thing, you know, we're all learning again with the computers in our hand, we all have so much more information. So somebody my age, somebody your age, we, we have access now to information we didn't have before. So of course we're going to like, be like, Oh my God, that's a thing, you know? So these moments of like your podcast and the book that I write, it's, you know, you might hear it or read it and be like, oh my God, that's me. But also that's how we like learn to come to sit at the table together when we have different experiences and ideas so we can learn and empathize. You know, what, you know, I remember one of the scariest, one of the things that I used as inspiration in the book, I'll say without giving away too much, was one of my like most influential professors in college who was also gay. And I came out to him because I felt so safe with it. So I really put this person on a pedestal. And he just made this like snide comment about one of my lower back tattoos in class one day, just like as a little joust. But mm -hmm. it was so, it was such a mini slut shaming moment and being like so young at the time, like a freshman in college, the world is coming at me that like, it was like, I thought for like, the, the idea that I was a slut was so real because this, this person gay or straight that I put on a pedestal while I was coming out, you know, said this little baby joke. And so right. it's just like, I don't know, we have these opportunities to also grow from this and like, let our ego go. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we have this opportunity to, to connect better. Um, well, and I think that's the thing is what a beautiful opportunity is the planet energy is shifting to acceptance and let people be who they are it we're being invited into this new space yet mm -hmm. there's so many people fighting back like no 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 that can't be it no 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 that nope nope we can't do that and it's just it's it's a little disheartening to be quite honest that this is where we are and so when something comes along like your book that says Let's practice empathy. It invites us as human beings, in my mind, to understand what does empathy mean to me? And am I actually practicing it as well? Because I find myself, not a lot, but on occasion, like, I think I'm being really super empathetic. And that's not necessarily the case. I'm actually like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of there, but not there all the way. And I think that's the beautiful yeah. message that you're trying to send is let me show you this person that re is reflective of someone, maybe, you know, somebody out there and also open the doorway to what does this all look like when we do strike out and be our own self and we quit running away from ourselves and we start mm -hmm. to be truly who we are. Because for me, empathy starts with ourself. If we're oh, not empathetic 100%. towards ourselves, we cannot be empathetic to others. And that was a tough yeah. lesson, really tough lesson for me to learn because I was so bitter and angry. I'll just say that bitter and angry when I did come out of the closet of all the pushback and all the like, no, 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 you know, you're sinning against God, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I can't be doing this when I know in my heart of hearts, this is who I am. This is just everything about my soul says I'm a gay man. That's what it is, right? 
And so there was times I was like bitter, bitchy queen. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) And really a bitter, bitchy rebel. Like, you know, screw Mm -hmm. you. This is the way it Mm -hmm. is, right? Yeah. And I started realizing that probably wasn't the best way for me to be in it. And when I finally embraced the piece of, okay, everybody can have their perspective. They can go live their life the way they want to, but they need to give me that same ability to live my life the way I want to. And when I finally shared that with some people who were really pushing back, I'm like, I'm not asking you to bend your rules. And, and like, just suddenly like, oh, I would love to feel that with you in my world. But if I'm giving you permission to have your perspective on how you see homosexuality and being gay, then you need to give me the same respect that I get to go be who I am. Yes. That's also very, very, a very courageous act. You know, even even if you can break through your family and 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 the people that you give so much power to, then you have society that is still mm-hmm. not, you know, really indoctrinating us to love our our homosexual selves. So exactly. internalized homophobia runs so deep. It's so deep. I mean, it is. It's so deep. So it's it, it takes a lot of courage to silence all those other voices that you've now made your truth Mm -hmm. and really honor again how it's like I think a lot about what I try to talk about in the book there's this book out there which I I think everybody should read if they haven't it's called the body keeps the score it's a really academic read on trauma and how we physically embody it how trauma affects the nervous system and also understanding how to heal trauma which has to do with not just talking about it and healing the mind, but healing the body. So there's a lot of this physical description of uh, within the story of, you know, Layla's anxiety, Layla's depression, when she's feeling scared, when she's disassociating. And all of this stuff is like, again, it's a roller coaster to be this self-aware, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but to well, also because there's is- another thing that you just brought up, though, that there is that roller coaster of being self-aware. And watching your own ego in that self-awareness, but also watching the frustration that arises when you know within yourself that you're being very self-aware, but everyone around you is not. Right. But then, and then that can also be, um, you know, in therapy, they talk about tools and it's so funny as a dancer, I thought I was so conscious, but I also use dance as a form of disassociation and escapism and almost to like hurt myself a little bit of self-harm. And so this idea though, of learning to be self-aware and identify how your body feels in something, it's like how you're talking about your dad and you say to your dad, this is, I have this feeling when I look at a man versus when I look at a woman, it's a feeling in your body right? It's almost beyond words. And it's the same thing with it is it's like it is that simple. And so if we can learn to be that self aware of what's happening in our body, we can also use it as a tool to allow us to always come back to our authentic selves. That it's like this beautiful built in alarm system that's navigating and trying to like, always bring us back to ourselves and letting us know very loud and well that it's that this is not you. And I think that is why depression and mental health and suicide is so prevalent in the queer community because feeling that tension, that shame all the time, it is exhausting. It is so heavy and exhausting to feel the weight of that 
all the time. I know that feeling. Like I've been at the tip of it. So the unburdening of that is really you have to become, <laughs> you have to learn to to like fold into embrace that self-awareness so you can have that conversation with yourself to be like, as I say in the book, like be the captain of your ship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what are you most excited about at this stage? The book is out. It's getting into the hands of people. What makes this exciting for you at this stage? I think these conversations, um, I love the act of writing. It's I love the isolation of it, introspective. That's like a couple of years. And so now I'm in this phase of promoting the book, which has a lot of these conversations. And because of what the book is about, it's I get to talk about this stuff or at the readings, like what people share with me. Um, the audio book is coming out next month. And that's been really an interesting journey. I decided to do the narration on it. So giving life to this in that in that new, very vulnerable way. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because it's all very exciting. This is so this is such a, a career pivot. So I feel like a it's so new. I was, you know, it's very fresh. So it's well, all it's, 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 all, it's to be honest, very exciting. It's literally a brand new dance. I mean, it's such literally, a literally, I mean, yeah. It, it, but yet it's also a creative endeavor. So this is what I love when when I see creatives who embrace, hey, I'm doing this, and then they've got that background. I mean, I I was in, like I said, I was in dance and theater and stuff all through high school, college, into my young life. And I've never let that creativity go. And then suddenly mm. I never, it's so interesting as you get older that you start to see all the pieces of the puzzle continue to fit together, fit together, fit together. And I remember right after I started this podcast, stepping back and going, okay, this is way too scripted. It wasn't as casual as it's flowing right now. And a voice from one of my, acting teachers said just be in the flow and be the character and Love I, thought, it. I just need to be in the flow and be the character as a podcaster no no acting mm -hmm. required and the third or fourth episode of this podcast i mean the first one anybody who listens to like oh my god this guy should not be doing this um <laughs> i started to really like just step into that and releasing and I'm so glad that I saw the creative energy start to flow from mm. acting and musicals and speaking and all these things that I've done that require my voice. And a few years later, I realized that one of my greatest things that I've been called to, not from a space of ego, is to use my voice. And so then the podcast, the book, the coaching, the speaking on stages, that's when I landed in my element. And I'm like, okay, this I is love exactly that. what I'm supposed to be at this point. That's very, that's very inspiring for me right now. So I appreciate like you sharing that antidote because it takes a lot of courage. I, like it's been scary. Let me not, you know, let me be honest <laughs> to yeah. be, to say I'm, I'm a writer when I've only been a dancer all of a sudden, but yeah. um, it's funny. Like it is how you said it's a, uh, I always use my body or I use other bodies mm -hmm. to tell my stories. And yeah. so it's very interesting and fulfilling to speak so much and to use actual words rather than mm, this abstract form of the body, which I have so much love for. Right. Uh, but it does feel good, like you said, a calling. So I appreciate hearing that because there's a, how, how we were talking about our sexuality, there's this 
excitement that I have with writing and speaking, but there's also a calmness in my nervous system that, and I'm just being so honest right now that I've never experienced with dance. And I got to the top as a choreographer and I was always feeling this like anxiety that was really hard to manage. And it's, it's kind of beautiful now <laughs> that, um, and I, I, you know, it's again, nothing's a linear, it's, it's a cycle. So I still have these morning aspects of like my prior life, but, um, it's it's nice to just try to like honor yourself and be how you said in your calling and go like move through that. But there's always lessons from our past. If well, we there are. Them, and then the know? beautiful piece of lessons from the past is, you know, we come into our journey coming out of the closet. And yes, it's a new journey. There's so many bits of and pieces of it that are brand new that have never been yet experienced. Yet there's so much in the experience that we've already done. We've already mm -hmm. had difficult conversations. We've already revealed secrets to people. We've already learned to love ourselves in other ways. So all of this has mm -hmm. been done. Yet I'm never going to diminish that there's parts of the journey that's like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay too, because that's the beautiful opportunity. It's like those first dance steps. I mean, those first dance steps and everything. Oh, I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to get some of this stuff, right? It's a beautiful thing to realize everything is being given to us for a really beautiful purpose. And that's and also part of like the moment. beauty of our identity of being queer is like this uniqueness. We're not supposed yes. to be homogenous and the same. And right. I remember like I saw a meme about um, like queer sex, how growing up, like there's no teacher or parent traditionally talking about this, but that's also one of the beauties of like the idea of exploring yourself rather than being told how it's supposed to be. So there's always like, there is beauty in what we haven't been given also, I think in, in the queer community because of what we've made with it. And again, like one of those, like that, like there's like such unique individuality within our community and not falling backwards into these again, internalized homophobic ideas or these old heteronormative ideals that we think we have to live up to in order to be accepted by society and deemed worthy and acceptable and all those things. Like, you know, the more we come together and remind each other that our, our uniqueness and our individuality is what's so beautiful, like the more powerful we are and the better we feel in our most authentic, you know, beautiful gay selves or straight yes. selves. Or who well, don't, I, think that, I don't know I think, But I think that's self. the beauty. But see, that's <laughs> the beauty. And, and this is where we'll kind of like bring this full circle. That is why three, four years ago, I changed this podcast and not just be telling queer coming out stories, but other people's coming out stories too, to show that the parallels of if you're coming out of cancer or you're coming out of a divorce, you're coming out of a major mm -hmm. tragedy in your life that the coming out is the coming out is the coming out. There's always a closet that everybody on the planet is coming out of in some way. Some of them are not pretty closets, like a closet of hatred and bigotry mm -hmm. and all that. Those aren't pretty closets, but there are some very beautiful things that happen when we realize that everybody has closets and everybody's got yeah. a closet story to share and tell. So, well, I am so yeah. glad that you came and shared your story <laughs> and the book. I'm wishing you all the best in the months and years ahead and um just keep doing it uh, you'll you'll probably get the bug shortly like okay now when's when's book number two believe me i didn't think i'd ever like eh, and then suddenly it's like oh. i think i need you know to what? do another I, one 
I do. I um I it's I do. I'm waiting for not waiting. I'm enjoying this. Again, I'm still I'm such a not good at how do you call it? Like dividing my time. So, I I'm ready. I just need to get through like my head's still bits. in Rebel and Venus. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what you have to get through, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um well, anyway, and if somebody wants to reach <laughs> out and find everything, where's the best place for them to reach out and find the book and connect with you? Yeah, well, the book is on Amazon, uh, and you can also go to rebelinvenus.com. Excellent. And I'm on all social media at Marissa Almanick, my first, middle, last name, everywhere, Great. the same awesome. thing. <laughs> well, thank you for being here and being everywhere and sharing your story and your book. And again, I wish you nothing but best of luck in everything you're doing and glad that you shared with our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.